Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with another listener question episode. I've, I don't think I'll ever run out of questions, but I don't use them all. Uh, I use uh, some of them that I think would be of interest to more than just me. It has to interest me, and uh, it has to interest, I think, enough of you out there, whether it's about newer cards, older cards, uh, hobby habits, hobby traditions, could be about anything. And so if you're asking it, I'm going to consider it. And I like uh, answering your questions and being responsive. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsi.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. First up from Stooks. Stooks is uh, apparently a prolific writer as, as well as a serious collector. And he said it was great meeting me at the Dallas Card Show, which I I absolutely uh, do remember and enjoyed meeting you, Stoops. You you have eclectic interests, as, as I do, too. So that was great to compare notes. He says he liked when I did the episode on megabids that I addressed it as a mistake versus the person being a bad actor. That's even true in our culture. People can make mistakes. Sometimes bad people make repeated mistakes. They're not even called mistakes. They're called the transgressions or crimes. But I think this was something that just in the heat of the moment, I'm just guessing. I, it's hard to know somebody's motivation, but don't just assume they had bad motives. So sometimes things happen and you're caught off balance. So I appreciate that, Stooks. We ought to be giving people second chances in most cases. I think there's some crimes. I'm not going to give them a second chance, but not free strikes and you're out for certain things. But the megabit issue is more complicated, I felt, than what people were were dealing with it. You're playing with fire. Secondly, and this just from an anonymous person asking why I did not do a Jeff Baker tribute. Jeff Baker, the TTM, sends the autographs out for the mail and has a great podcast that he had with Drew Pelto that I listened to, one of the ones I subscribed to. And he's certainly worthy of a tribute, but I, I just didn't really, I can't add to the discussion because I really didn't know him well enough. But again, certainly worthy. Like I said, the reason I do the tributes is because I want to add something that I think is not necessarily being said that I could say, and I can't really add to it other than he'll really be missed. A real disappointment. My condolences to his family and friends. Next one from Oren Cards 44 is that breaking new wax is a losing mindset. And he says, not too bright. I think I know what you're getting at, Oren Cards, but by that same reasoning, anybody that goes to Las Vegas, unless you're going to Las Vegas to watch a show or to have some fun with a group or for some great restaurants or, or maybe for a ball game now because they got more and more uh, sports there. But anybody going to Las Vegas to gamble is apparently not bright. But since there's so many millions going there, there's got to be more to it. People break new wax because it's fun. And they go to Las Vegas because it's fun. So there's a fun component that is not to be underestimated. And in both of these cases, Las Vegas as well as breaking, there is a group vicarious experience. There's a communal experience that you didn't win, but you knew somebody that won and you you maybe even saw them win. So if, if five guys went to Vegas or five guys were in on a break, one of them is probably going to win. The other four are probably going to lose. So it's not about being bright. You can do the math. I'm a statistician. I'm not going to go to Vegas to win in gambling. I'm looking for an edge. And it's breaking. The only reason that has appeal, I think, for me is that it is a chance to get a card that you wouldn't otherwise pay for. But in the long run, it's probably a losing financial proposition. Next from the cross-up collector, if you remember, he commented before, so he's thankful for that. But 
He said, I would like to take you up, because he says he's not going to be at the National, so the mailing, but he said, I've got to find a nice copy to send you, because the one he owns is graded and slabbed. So he said, he'll do it when he gets that uh, figured out. The question arises, what if he just sent me the slabbed, the slabbed one, (laughs) and I could sign the slab? And I have actually seen that. It's not frequent, but there are players that have signed their cards. Talk about aftermarket. After it's slabbed, you can sign the outside of the slab. I think it looks not optimal, but you could do that. And I'm happy to do that. So I don't know if you have to get a whole other thing. John Keating's comment about the space cards that I mentioned in one of the, the last listener question episodes that I thought there were multiple years. John is clarifying that 1957 were the space cards, 1958 were the target moon cards. They look almost exactly the same, same backs, but target moon is added. And target moon is what I had. So thank you, John. You are correct. That suggests what's Tops doing? <laughs> Put the same set out, almost exactly the same. If there's nothing illegal about it, and I don't think it's a ripoff, it's almost exactly the same, but it's not the same. And if you think about it, maybe the first year they did space cards and, and they didn't sell that well, but they still had the intellectual property, all those drawings. But maybe the moon, when you think about it to back in those days, maybe the moon was more relatable than space. Maybe space is just too hard to wrap your heads around. Over the moon, you can look out in the evening and and see it. Next from Golden Slumber, talking about the Hall of Fame uh, semifinalists, and he just says Jordy Nelson is his guy, but he just doesn't quite have the numbers. I agree, but again, there's a lot of guys that are very collector-worthy that will never probably make the Hall of Fame. He had some great gains, some great years, and 10 years, as uh, Golden Slumber points out. But the Hall of Fame is not for everybody. It ought to be tough to get in, and he was merely a really good player, in my opinion. Okay, for Ken Capel, he said, I wonder how you handle kids at dollar boxes. He says he loves seeing kids at the shops and the shows, but they're frequently not patient, and they don't follow any kind of etiquette. He said he lets it go, but it can drive him crazy, especially if there's a parent nearby that just lets it happen without reining their child in. And by child, that could be 12, could be 10, could be 8. I don't know. I don't usually see anybody under 10 at a dollar box. In fact, it's rare to see a kid at the dollar box for very long. That patience Ken is talking about is not there. In fact, this is not a parenting strategy. When kids get out of order sometimes, one of the punishments is a timeout. You don't. You just say, hey, you got a timeout. What if the timeout was you got to sit at this dollar box or this dime box, whatever, and, you, and you've got to sit here for the next hour? I think kids would have trouble doing that. They don't have the attention span. And yet, it'd be good for them if they looked through all those cards and pulled out a few. Who's to say they wouldn't get into it? But I'm saying it's very rare that I see any kind of a kid hang at the dollar box. Even the $5 the $5 boxes don't take as long, but the dollar boxes can take longer. Quarter, a dime could take longer. I see them looking through one row of a box and then moving on. And I'm not sure why. Generally, they're looking for a player, and that's not a very efficient way to find your player to go through a randomized box where everything's a dollar. And they'll ask, and I'm sitting there sometimes, and they'll come up and ask the dealer, are there any Shohei Otanis in there? And the dealer says, I don't know what he says, maybe, 
or yeah, there's probably a few. If it's Sunday afternoon at a show, if there were Shohei Otanis in the dollar box, they're probably gone unless they're just the, the most common of the most common or not in great shape. So think about that. If you're a parent, instead of park your kid at a dollar box and see how long they can last. And if they can last a long time, sometimes that deferred gratification is a life skill. Okay, uh, another one from John Keating. And he is now broken up collectors. I don't know about investors, but let's just say collectors into two categories. It's like the cattlemen and the sheep herders from back in the old West. But he's talking about grazers and hunters. He thinks I'm a grazer and he's a hunter. Apparently he is probably gigging me, but I'm going to hunt for the box, John, and then I'm going to graze. So I'm going to try to find the best grazing area and that's a hunt. So I just don't walk up to a table. I'm trying to scope that out. But a lot of the hunters are just going by and look, and they're mainly showcase hunters. They're going to look and see what's prominently displayed and there's nothing wrong with that. And then he mentions another thing that happens sometimes. Okay. Somebody's pulling cards. If you're pulling cards from a dollar box, that's different, okay? Because if you pull them, you're grazing there, you spend some time there, the dealer can see what you're doing, and you pull out your 83 $1 cards, and you maybe have agreed on a price in advance, or you work it out. And if you pick out your $83 cards, and Torsten said that a time ago, is that the guy said, those are $2 cards. If you have to put them back in the dollar box, it's really not that big a deal. Some dollar boxes are organized by sport, but even that is not hard to, to put them back. They're, they're not in any set order. That's why they're all a dollar. But there are people, grazers, who are pulling for sets, almost like doing a want list. I'm trying to complete my set. I'm looking for these cards, and the dealer has them, and you're pulling them out. So you pull out a bunch of cards to complete your sets, and maybe you've even marked them in your little checklist. Again, I'm just not sure anybody can have a want list in their head anymore. <laughs> you really have to have it written down or on your digital device. But if you're going through and you're marking them off that I got that now that I have it, but then what if you can't make a deal with the dealer? Then you have a problem because you've you may have already marked them off in, in ink. I, I don't know, or or irreparably deleted it from something. Now maybe you could maybe you could retrieve it, but that's happened to me. I pulled cards and then found out when I try to settle up with the dealer that we did not agree on the price. And I have that unenviable lump check in my spirit that am I really going to put these cards back or am I just going to pay that more? He wants more money than I thought I was going to have to pay. Am I just going to pay it and move on and make a mental note or am I going to put them back? And if I put them back, is it my obligation to put them back in order? Again, if they were in order when I pulled them, do I need to put them back in the order just talking about etiquette, it might depend on what the charge is. If it's way more than what I expected, that I just don't know. That really would be rough for me to think, okay, now I'm not going to buy them. I'm going to put them back in order for this dealer that I don't think was very reasonable. Now, forget that I'm the price guide guy, but I've been on both sides of the table. I've been the guy that had the uh, 1956 Tops box of cards that were in numerical order that somebody pulled the ones they wanted, and they made me a lowball offer. And then uh, I said, here's the price. And, and I thought they were being unreasonable. And they walk away and they just leave the cards there. And then I need to put them back in order because they were in order. So it's a little bit of a headache. But that actually can be used, not necessarily dealer or, or buyer psychology. But if you pull those cards, I know for me, when I was on the other side of the table, when I was a dealer and somebody pulled those cards, I want to make it work for the collector. I, I appreciate collectors. And so I'm sympathetic. And so if the person pulled out these $100 worth of 1956 Tops cards, 
back in the day, that would have been a big hunk of them, and said, I'm offering you $80 for these. I just would want to be accommodating. I think, oh, okay, I wouldn't be that happy to take a 20% haircut, but I think when well, we got to put them back, I'm going to make the person happy. Uh, I can get some more. So my point is that if you're holding out these cards, don't give up because the deal is going to be thinking, if I don't accept this deal, I got to put them back. But the buyer also might be saying, hey, I need to accept his deal or I need to put him back. Whoever has to do that work, that's why when you're buying a collection, another sports card inside, I bought a lot of collections. And generally, if the person comes to you, you've got a better chance of getting the collection. If you go to their house or their office or something like that, then they can say, I'll think about it. And they've got to, and then I've got to drive away or walk away. If they come to you, that's why I think if they drag their cards down to a card show or a card store and said, I'm thinking about selling these, what do you give me? They're sitting right there. You start peeling out green stacks of cash and it's hard for them to think, am I going to drive back home? Am I going to put these cards back in my trunk or in my box and take around, or am I just going to take the money and, and be finished? A lot that happens. And lastly, Collector's Dream said, saw card boxes at a Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel is one of my once a year stores that I go for old fashioned food. I've not been to Cracker Barrel this year. I will look forward to going there and seeing if there's still cards there. Like I said, if you're going to get to 10X, then you're going to have cards in a lot of places. And Cracker Barrel would be one. A lot of people are passing through Cracker Barrel. It's an interesting chain. So anyway, uh, that's it. Again, uh, Happy New Year. I hope everything's going well for everybody. And I will uh, be back soon. The man in the house who calls.